Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keef to the City podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, joining me today with uh, opening day just around the corner for the Yankees is uh, former Yankee reliever uh, Steve Carse, also setup man to Mariano Rivera um, in, in the early 2000s. Steve, how's it going today? It's going very well. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for uh, giving your time. I know you're busy with spring training, but uh, you know I, I thought it'd be good to. T- to talk to someone who not only uh, spent time in the Yankees bullpen, uh, you know, during seasons when they were successful, which hasn't been the case the last two years, but um, you know, someone with experience uh, pitching in one of the stronger bullpens in the league, as the Yankees sort of make that their strong point this season with question marks in the rotation um, and also in the lineup. And uh, I know you grew up in, in Flushing, so I'm guessing uh, you were probably uh, more prone to being a Mets fan than a Yankees fan. Well, I went to more Met games than Yankee games, that's for sure. But I was I was more of a base. Fan, I, I like to, to follow players and, and watch uh, individual players more than teams. But uh, it, you know, it was fun watching watching both of them, both on TV, and then having the opportunity to uh, to get to both stadiums, uh, being in New York. Yeah, and I uh, when you spend your time with the Yankees, and uh, I think back to. Uh, my freshman year in college in Boston in 2004 with uh, the disastrous ALCS that will never be erased from my memory, but having to be there during that, and uh, I know you know that was the season where um, you were coming back from surgery and, and you pitched down the stretch and um, you know doing some research before I talked to you, and to, to go back and read articles and to read blogs and message boards from 2004 and to see people talking about how you know you were going to be uh, you know essential in the postseason uh, you know for the Yankees and, and to sort of solidify that. Bullpen, but you know it didn't happen, and instead we watched Tom Gordon and Paul Quantrill um, sort of melt down, you know, there in that season, and uh, it just to, to think back to that, and uh, you know, had you been there, had you been, uh, you know, had you maybe not gotten those seventy-eight appearances in two thousand um, and two, and you know, things didn't happen in 03, maybe we're sitting here today, and the Red Sox are still uh, World Series list. Yeah, you know, it was very disappointing for me. Uh, you know, I, I tried to do the best I could coming back off my shoulder surgery in, in 03 and 04, missing, uh, you know, obviously all of 03 and, and, and most of 04. Uh, you know, I logged some innings down the stretch, but ultimately I, you know, talking with Joe and Mel and, and, and the staff, uh, I just I wasn't ready to... Uh, step into that role at that particular point. I, I wish I was uh, the competitor that I am, and and wanting to pitch in in those series. Uh, you know, once you get to the playoffs, uh, is extremely important. But unfortunately, you know, it, it, the cards didn't fall right for me, and uh, my arm just wasn't ready uh, to to be at that level. And 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 what the team went through to get to the playoffs. Uh, you know, it would have been probably the wrong move for me to be in that bullpen at that time. Yeah, and I saw speculation from people back then wondering, you know, why uh, Joe wasn't going to you more in September to sort of get you ready. And people's theories were that, you know, maybe you weren't as healthy as um, as the Yankees thought you were and they were still running you out there. So was there a real reason by why, uh, you know, 2004 ended the way it did? Because, I mean, in that September, uh, you know, you, you came into seven games and only gave up two earned runs, which seems like it should have given you the spot ahead of Rivera and maybe things are different. 
Yeah, I mean, you can you can go back and, and, and really play devil's advocate on, on the decisions that were made. Uh, again, you know, when you're in high-leverage situations like that, you've only pitched seven innings in two years. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, there was some rehab innings involved in there in AAA and AA and, and, and even single A. Uh, but, but ultimately, the choice came down to the staff. I, I gave them... Uh, the information that I had, how I felt, and, and, and they ultimately made the decision to leave me off the roster and, and, and go with the other guys. Uh, of course, again, was I disappointed? Yeah, I wanted to be in those situations. I signed with the Yankees to pitch in those situations, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the injury just kind of held me back uh, a little bit longer than I had planned. Well, in 2 uh, your, your first season with the Yankees, uh, you know, 78 games you, you pitched in, which was your career high, and uh, you you were an easy fan favorite because you know anytime Tory wanted to give you the ball, which was pretty much every other day, you were ready for it. You did a great job that season, uh, 88 and the third innings, um, and I and I saw that. You know, from 2000 to 2009, obviously Rivera has the most saves for the Yankees, but you come in second there with 12. So you know, you were there to fill the void when uh, he he spent a few times on the disabled list. Yeah, you know, Mo went down in, in 2002, and and they, uh, you know, they had the confidence in me. Uh, you know, having some some uh, experience at the back end of the bullpen with some other clubs, uh, Atlanta and Cleveland, to to go to me when Mo was down for six to eight weeks. Uh, you know, I was a, a little bit of a stopgap there to help the team uh, get through a small period where Mo was down and, uh, you know, hold the fort down, so to speak, until he came back. Uh, I was able to do that, uh, you know, and, and, and the rest of history. I mean, we, we made the playoffs in 2002. It was a great run. Uh, you know, we got uh, bounced in the first round against the Angels. Uh, it was a, a tough series. Uh, you know, again, another disappointing series. Uh, for us, because we really felt like we had momentum, we really felt like we were a, we were a club that was put together, especially with our starting rotation and the bullpen, uh, to make a deep run into the playoffs. And uh, you know, uh, it, that's just the way baseball is. You know, we ran into a hot hand, and uh, you know, Rodriguez coming out of their their bullpen with the Angels, he he kind of shut us down in in three of those games. Uh, we didn't know much about him. He was a late season call up. Uh, and, and his stuff was uh, uh, playing really well at that time, and and, uh, and unfortunately, uh, you know, we we weren't able to get by the Halos in that first round. I feel like because uh, because the Yankees won in '96, '98, '99, 2000, and then lost in devastating fashion in '01. You know, too, when they bounced back, I mean, you guys won 103 games. It just seemed like, you know, business as usual. Uh, you come back against the Angels in that first game of the playoffs and uh, that, that four-run eighth-inning rally to, to win game one. And every Yankees fan, and, and this has happened again a few times since then when it was in, you know, in 05 and 06 it happened, um, where, where they win the first game of the ALDS and everyone starts to think about ahead into the future, the ALCS and the World Series. And during that time, you can't be as any more confident than a Yankees fan was. And after, you know, you win that first game against the Angels. Um, it, it just seemed like you guys were headed back to where they had been the last few years, and then uh, drop game two, and then in game three, the, a six to one lead that that got blown. I mean, w- when you were up in the game one, and then to come back and have that big lead in game three, did you envision, you know, hey, I'm going to go on a run here with this team? Yeah, you know that that's what everybody thinks, but baseball's a funny game. Uh, you know, one break, uh, one momentum swing can, can change the the whole dynamic of the series and and that's what happened you know uh, game two you know we split we were pretty you know we were pretty happy with a split at that point going into Anaheim uh, we you know we had uh, 
Uh, I believe it was Wells and, and El Duque uh, starting. Uh, and actually, El Duque was in the pen, so we had Wells and Mucina uh, starting games three and four. And, and we felt really good about the, the position we were in. Uh, and, and again, you know, uh, as quick as as quick as you feel good about it, things can change, and uh, we we just happened to 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 get the tide turned against us a little bit. And in, in, in you know games three and four, we lost that we lost that big lead uh, that put us down two one. We kind of dug ourselves a hole, and then uh, you know uh, again, unfortunately, uh, you know for for us and, and Yankee fans that the season ended at that particular point, but. I definitely thought we were ready to go on another run uh, in, 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 you know, 2002, three, and four. We had the horses in the rotation to do it. We had the bullpen set up the way we liked it. And, uh, you know, guys were signed for three, four years at a time. Uh, and it would have been another nice run to go. But, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, it's baseball and, and things can change in a, in a hurry, as, as, as fans can see. Well, whenever anyone talks about Joe Torre and his bullpen use and overusing relievers, everyone always brings up uh, Scott Proctor and how often he used them. But I feel like people don't talk enough about you in that 2002 season with 78 appearances, you know, 88 and a third innings, virtually pitching uh, on average basically every other game for the entire season. And then you missed all of 03 and most of 04, pretty much all of 04 as well because of injuries from that. And no relievers is going to turn down the opportunity to get the ball. And uh, you, you got it seemingly more than just about everyone in the league that year. But, you know, as a reliever, you know, is there a certain amount of appearances or innings you sort of aim for before the season starts? And obviously you you can't plan ahead for situation how things unravel, but you know, was that too many appearances for you? Do you think for seventy eight games, eighty eight innings, or, or is that were you expecting to pitch that much going into a season? You know, uh, again, it's a double edged sword. You can go back and play Monday morning quarterback all you want, but yeah, you know what? Uh, since since I missed those three and oh four, it probably was too many innings. But at the time, I didn't think. You know, I was feeling good. I was healthy. Uh, they called down. I was I was taking the ball. I, I was helping the team win, and you know that's why I signed there. You know I ended up signing the four year deal because you know I knew the situation I was going to be in setting up Mariano Rivera um, and and having a chance to win a World Series. And that's you know at that point in my career, that's what I was playing for. You know I had, I had signed the contract, and now it was, it was all about winning. And you know the the mentality of a reliever is you're never gonna turn down the ball when your manager wants you to pitch in a game that's a high leverage situation late in the games. We played a lot of close games that year. Uh, and, 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 you know, Mike Stanton was down there as well from the left side. He got quite a few games, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's a tough situation. You know, Joe's, Joe's, uh, managing under, uh, Mr. Steinbrenner at the time, the boss, he was still alive. And, and the boss puts a lot of pressure on the coaching staff. Uh, you know, whether they want to admit it or not, uh, you know, the boss wants them to win. And, and, and that's how Joe looked at it. Joe wanted to win as much as he could, uh, you know, uh, for the boss and, 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 and be in that position. So, uh, you know, again, I, I look at it like that was my job. I was called upon to take the ball. Uh, you know, the competitor that I am, I was never going to turn down the ball uh, unless I was hurt. Uh, if you're hurt and you can't pitch and you're not going to help your team win, then it would be foolish to, uh, you know, to ask for, for the baseball in, in key situations. Uh, but that wasn't the case with me in 2002. Uh, my, job was, my job was to pitch at the back end of the game, help the team win, and I felt like I did that. Well, uh, 
in your career, you know, in, in anyone's career, you never want to hear the, the words uh, going to visit Dr. James Andrews. And it seems like every day now somebody in Major League Baseball is going to visit him or, or needs to. And then Tommy John is so prevalent now. Um, and I know you had a few surgeries throughout your career. And I've always wondered, you know, what is that process like from either going to visit him or any doctor and having the MRIs done and, and you know, the planning and the procedures that go on and then rehab situation where you're just sort of on the shelf for a while and then first time you get to pick up a baseball and throw it. I mean, you, you had to deal with that a few times. And, you know, I think people sort of just don't realize the, the mental fortitude and the grind that that goes through just not only doing it once, but several times. So maybe if you could just like sort of take me through what it's like to have, to have a surgery where you don't know what's going to happen once you're finally able to throw a ball again. Yeah. You know, I mean, ultimately it's, it's part of the game. Um, you know, we never want to see guys get hurt. Uh, as a coach now, you don't want to see it, but, uh, it happens. And, uh, you know, when, when it's time to go see a doctor, whether it's Dr. Andrews, uh, Yoakum or whoever it may be, um, you know, you, you go there, you know that there's something that's not right. Uh, as a player, you want to get back on the field as quick as possible. So you go, you visit him, you get your MRI, uh, you know, you get the results. Uh, if, if surgery is an option, then, you know, they usually book surgery while you're there the, the next day or two days out. And then you, you mentally prepare for the for the grind or for, uh, you know, w- what the results are going to be. We have to either have Tommy John, bone chips, bone spurs. Uh, you know, if, if, if you're really unlucky and it's a shoulder surgery, then some type of rotator cuff or, uh, or super spinatus or, or labrum tear or something like that, you know, you know you're into the long haul. Uh, you know, mentally, some guys shut down and, and don't go through the process. And then there are other guys... Uh, who, who take on the challenge of of uh, the rehab process and, and getting back and, and and trying to be the guy that they were prior to that surgery. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a tough situ- situation to be in. Nobody ever wants to get hurt. Nobody ever wants to hurt their arm if they're a pitcher. Uh, you know, but again, the process of, of of going to the doctor, letting him telling you uh, what's wrong and, and what's needed, and then the process of getting better uh, and and the time it takes, uh, especially if it's a Tommy John or a shoulder surgery, being, you know, almost a, a year to, to 18 months. It, it's tough to sit for a year to 18 months uh, and expect that you're going to be back at the same level uh, that you were prior to that surgery. Uh, and, and it comes down to, uh, you know, the, the guy's work ethic and, and what he puts into his rehabilitation process to, to get back on the field. Well, that first time you, you pick up a baseball after a surgery and you go to throw it, you know, is there that idea in your mind, you know, I hope, uh, you know, something, you know, doesn't go wrong, hopefully it doesn't snap, or you, you know, how long does it take you to get back to really, you know, letting letting loose and letting it fly? Well, it's a process, there's no no question about that. Uh, of, of course, uh, you're a little apprehensive about making that first throw. Uh, but again, uh, usually you make that first throw now, uh, four to five months after your surgery. So if you put in the work, uh, the, the due diligence that it needs to take uh, with the rehab uh, coordinator uh, that each club has now, uh, the process that you go through, uh, you feel pretty strong about it, and, and and you feel a little bit more comfortable, I would say, uh, as, as the process goes. You know, obviously guys start throwing at 60 feet. Uh, you know, first few throws, they're, they're – 
their minds maybe a little bit uh, apprehensive about doing it. But once they start throwing and they start feeling good about where they're at, then they start, start stretching it out. And then you have, a, you know, a, a three- or four-month process of playing flat groundwork. And you have a three- or four-month process of getting off the mound at different stages of just throwing fastballs and adding breaking balls and change-ups. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, I think the biggest hurdle that you get is once you get into a game and you have a hitter in the box facing that hitter. Then I think it becomes more of a mind game of, okay, when am I going to jump this hurdle and say, you know what, I'm healthy again, I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to compete uh, you know, at the level that I'm, I'm capable of doing. Well, uh, for the Yankees in, in, in their current state now with the back end of their bullpen and having Dellen Batantis and Andrew Miller, Ed Dot, you know, for you, you started out as a starter and then eventually found your niche as a, as a, as a strong elite reliever. And it's sort of what's happened to Batantis as he was a starter and now he finds himself, um, you know, as a power arm at the back end of the bullpen. And there's been some concern, uh, with his velocity in spring training and if he can, um, even come close to putting up the numbers he did last year. And, you know, I, I sort of bring it back to you in that 2002 season. And, uh, you know, when, when you make that many, uh, you know, appearances and pitch that many innings for the, for the first time in your career, have a career high, you know, should it be expected to have, you know, diminished velocity in spring training or a dead arm period? And, you know, I know you're a pitching coach now is, is, do you take uh you know, what do you look for in spring training from pitchers? Because certainly you don't want to put much stock into the stats because they're meaningless and, you know, nothing counts really until opening day. But, um, as a pitching coach and as someone who is in that situation, you know, what are you looking for from your relievers in spring training? Well, as far as relievers, you're just looking for them to get the feel of their pitches. You're, you're looking for increased velocity as spring training goes on. Um, you know, I, after having an, a, a full off season and you're doing your work in the off season and preparing a throw coming into spring training, your arm should be in the shape that, that it needs to be in as the end of spring training uh, nears. So guys should be, you know, getting primed Right now, for uh, you know the beginning of the season, they should be ghost, as close to game ready uh, as they would be if they were in the at the middle of the season. Uh, it takes some guys a little bit longer than others. Obviously, uh, you know Mariano took a little bit longer. I mean, he started out in April, the first couple of weeks. Sometimes uh, not as well as everybody would have liked, and they were like, "Oh man, what's wrong with Mo? What's wrong with Mo?" <laughs> and then next thing you know. Uh, 45 saves later, he's <laughs> he's walking <laughs> up, uh, you know, at the end of the season, like, oh, okay, you know, one one six ERA and 45 saves. So uh, everybody's a little bit different. Uh, I think, uh, you know, throwing that many innings for the first time in your career, uh, as Tonsis did, uh, he's going to have to get back into the flow of the back end of the bullpen. Closing games is a little bit going to be a little bit different for him. Um, you know, last year. When he was setting up, uh, you know, he had a little bit of, uh, of a cushion or a little bit of help. Not that he needed it, but he always knew in the back of his mind that it was there. This year, if, if he ends up being the closer, then, uh, you know, there's not going to be that, that, uh, that factor of I have somebody behind me. This is my game to win or lose. So uh, I see I don't hold too much weight in what velocity brings until maybe two weeks into the season. If a guy's not at his velocity at that particular time, then there may be a little bit of cause for concern. Uh, but in, in the ultimate game, spring training is to get ready for these guys uh, that know they're on the team and then uh, just prep for the season. 
Everyone always talks about how relievers are fickle because, you know, they don't always uh, put up, you know, consistent seasons back to back to back like like a starting pitcher would. And there's plenty of, uh, you know, scenarios where um, so-and-so is going to be the next Rivera because of one great year and then they fall off a couple seasons later. And I I always wonder why is it that relievers have a hard time, you know, sort of duplicating or replicating a successful season from the year before? Well, I mean, it depends when a guy has his, his good season. If a, if a guy has his good season in his first year in the big leagues or his second year in the big leagues, you know, uh, m- maybe hitters do not know that much about him and, uh, you know, haven't been able to find out what his tendencies are, what he likes to do, how he likes to attack hitters, uh, and, and he's kind of ahead of the game. Uh, you know, as relievers get more outings, you get more video on them, uh, you get more tendencies on them. You know what they like to do. If they're a two-pitch pitcher, uh, you know, you can eliminate one of the pitches and, and make one of them a one-pitch pitcher if, if, if the lineup, you know, tends to do that. So uh, I think there are a lot of variables with, within why guys have great years. You know, you knew Mo had one pitch. There wasn't, there wasn't <laughs> thinking, you know, to what Mo did. Mo's pitch was just that good that he was able to dominate hitters on a, on a yearly basis. Everybody knew what he was throwing. So these guys who have really good years, you know, as they get into year three and four and maybe fall off the map, hitters know what they're throwing, but it's just not as good as it was in the first couple of years. And then that's really kind of how I evaluate some of the relievers. You can't, you can't replace stuff. And when I say stuff, it's guys who throw 98 with a, a hammer. You know, you can't replace that. They know it's coming. They still have to hit it. But guys who have a little bit of less stuff, who have really good years, have to compensate for that in some in some aspect later on uh, when hitters start to catch up uh, to to what they're doing. Well, uh, because Rivera retired and now David Robertson, uh, last year's closer, has gone to the White Sox through free agency, um, it's between Dylan Batances or Andrew Miller for the closer role now. And I sort of always wish that, um, you know, maybe Joe Girardi or some other manager wouldn't manage because of the save stat and, you know, would put out their best reliever in a high leverage situation, um, even if it's not the ninth inning, because I just feel like using Batances maybe in the sixth inning with second and third when you need a strikeout is more important than having him pitch to a clean inning with a two run lead in the ninth inning, but I, I always hear about how relievers like to know um, if, if there's a set inning, when they're going to pitch. Um, for you, was that the case? I mean, did, you know, do you think that uh, that holds true and that relievers should know or need to know that they're the seventh inning guy or the eighth inning guy or the closer, or, or are you under the mindset that maybe the closer role isn't you know, necessarily uh, something that has to be determined? Yeah, you know, I'm from the mindset that, yeah, I agree that if you have a closer, that's that's the guy that knows he's going to pitch the ninth inning. But those setup guys from the left and right side could pitch anywhere from, you know, the the bridge that they call it, the seventh, eighth inning. Because sometimes the seventh and, seventh and eighth inning are where you win games. Uh, you know, ultimately, you know, you, you go through a scenario where Batantas comes in in the, you know, seventh inning with two outs and bases loaded. He retires the last guy and gets a clean eighth. You know, the Yankees score two runs in the bottom of the ninth, and now it's a three-run lead for the closer when he comes in. So, you know, the game was actually saved in the, in the, in the seventh inning with two outs, in, in, in my eyes, and, and the closer gets credit for it. And, and, and that's on the outside world. In the inside world, everybody knows that, you know, that's what happened in the seventh inning. You know, he was able to get out of that jam. He picked the team up, uh, pitched the clean eighth, and gave the opportunity to score a couple more runs to spread out the lead. So... 
Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of guys coming to the ballpark, especially in that sixth, seventh, eighth inning. Always be ready to pitch. You never know the situation that you're going to come into, and then you have the closer knowing if it's a three-run lead or less in the ninth inning that he's going to get the ball. Well, Steve, before I let you go, I know um, you were the one guy, and I, and I saw you know the interviews done before and the, and the write-ups done before that um, got to play under uh, Joe Torre, Tony Larusa, and Bobby Cox, which are uh, obviously three of the the best managers of all time. And Joe Torre, sort of the calm demeanor, Bobby Cox, the, the uh, <laughs> not exactly a calm demeanor, and Tony Larusa viewed as uh, you know one of the great innovators of the game. And what was it like? I mean, the differences and and playing under those three guys at different points of your career. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. You know, I was very fortunate as a player, uh, you know, to play with very, very good players and great players, Hall of Fame players throughout my career, uh, you know, along with, you know, Toronto, Oakland, Cleveland, Atlanta, and with the Yankees. Uh, you know, but to, to play for managers, three Hall of Fame managers throughout your career, uh, you know, again, it, it's very fortunate to, to be able to know them on a, on a personal level, uh, be a part of some of their wins and, and know that they had confidence you confidence in you uh, when you were on their team to, to give you the ball in some in some key situations. So it was it was a pleasure to play with all three of them. They're all three they're they're great men, innovators of the game, uh, and had great careers uh, managing uh, you know ball clubs uh, you know in both leagues. All right, Steve. Well, I thank you for uh, taking the time to come on and, and and talk about your time with the Yankees and, and pitching in general. And uh, good luck with your season this year. And uh, I uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.